almost kind of, sort of. Why don't you just step right on over real close to me here, and uh, we're just going to make sure we're all wired up. Hey, this is Emmanuel Wibbert. So say, hi, Emmanuel. Hey, everybody. <laughs> you did good. Uh, why don't you tell us what branch of the military you're in, if they can't read it from back there. Well, um, I was in the Army. Uh, I was active duty for four years, and I went to the Guard, and now I'm transitioning out. Okay. And uh, you actually, I think you got saved here at City Church. And why don't you tell us I mean, kind of how that journey went from you. So you were part of the wide open, part of our youth, young adult ministry. And then, I mean, something happened. I remember you were part of a band and you had the big stages in your ears. The next thing I know, you're off to the military. So why don't you tell us how that happened in your life? Uh, well, I knew there was a point in time where I needed to have a change of pace in my life. And I needed to get serious. And, um, you know, my dad kind of kind of persuaded me to go in. And um, good dad, yeah, he is. Uh, and I was like, well, you know, let, let's let's give it a try. And so I did it, and I liked it. So, why don't you tell us? Um, so you became a Christian. Tell me some maybe. Uh, well, well, tell us first what your operation or what your mission was over there, and maybe some of the challenges that you had spiritually in the military. Well, um, I was deployed in 2011 uh, as part of Operation Iraqi Freedom and Operation New Dawn. Um, and we were just kind of closing up uh, Iraq, um, and um, mainly my job was uh, route clearance, uh, which is basically you're looking for IEDs um, and just making it safe for uh, any other operations that have to convoy through. So I did that as as part of almost an extension of what my normal job was, which was a uh, I was a 91 Echo metal worker, uh, so. Was that I, scary? Uh, it was the first time. But then after a while, you kind of get used to it, okay. and you're just like clearing landmines, right? Yes. Wow. Wow. So tell me, tell me about some of the, maybe some of the challenges that you face spiritually. Um, well, I mean, there's obviously you know being away from family is tough. Uh, being I just got actually I got married when I was uh, in training. Um, and your your beautiful wife is a daughter of. She's actually been here at City Church for a long 11, time. For a yeah. long time, since she was 11 years of age. Your mom used to be the worship leader here yeah. many years ago. Yeah. So you get married to Katie. So yeah. being away from your wife, you just got married, right? Yeah, I, we just got married, and it was it was tough. You know, I, I got stationed in Fort Campbell, and uh, about a week after I got to my unit, they're like, "You're getting deployed." So. And did they uh, care? No. No. <laughs> they didn't even care. Not at all. Bad no, military. They made you go. I can't believe well, it. Well, I, I did it, and we got through it together. And, um, you know, luckily, you know, through God's grace, uh, we, we stayed strong through it. And, of course, also with a little bit of help from Skype. There you go. <laughs> when, when the Internet was working, because the Internet didn't always work. Yeah, so tell me, well, is there like a, some, some spiritual lesson you feel like you walked away, you know, there's something in your life, like a, like maybe a life-changing or? You know, maybe a directional thing because of your time in the military. Um, well, yeah, I mean, you gotta you gotta know who you are. You gotta stay strong, and also uh, the, the army, or the military teaches teamwork. Um, and you gotta. It, it taught me that you have to rely on people. Okay. Um, you can't awesome. just rely on yourself. Most importantly, you have to rely. It's on not an army of one, is it? No. No. <laughs> no, no. Most importantly, you have to rely on God for everything because if you don't, then you're you're going to find yourself kind of. Kind of lost. That's awesome. Amen. So. Emmanuel, we are honored that you are part of our City Church family. Thank you. Thank you for serving this great nation. We love you. I'm going to give you a big hug. All right. All right. Amen. God bless you.
Well, it's Veterans Day. Thank you, veterans, for coming and letting us honor you today. A couple, just a couple things quickly. I know we've had some announcements, but a couple things I need to mention just as a pastor, that uh, next Sunday we're receiving a special offering for Operation Blessing. Now, you can see the boxes that are up here, and these are actually Thanksgiving menus, and uh, we have boxes. You can actually take these boxes if you want to. You can fill them up with items for Thanksgiving. Last year we gave away 273 food baskets on the, the Sunday before Thanksgiving. Uh, we actually gave away 273. This year we're, gonna, we're hoping we can increase that by 10% and give away 300 food baskets. But I need your help. It costs about $6,000 for us to, to put on this event every year. We've been doing it for over 10 years and eight years here in Sanford and a couple of years in Altamonte Longwood. We used to be located there. Here are some of the items you can see up here. This is our little running tally board. And it looks like uh, between now and the 24th, we have a long ways to go. So I'm going to need your help next Sunday. You can make the dream work, make the dream possible. And then that Sunday night, next Sunday night, uh, we have John McCavin from the Ritz-Carlton uh, right here in Orlando. He's a general manager, and he's going to talk to us about hospitality. And uh, the motto of the Ritz-Carlton is ladies and gentlemen serving ladies and gentlemen. And we believe that that's the call of Christ, that we are brothers and, serving, brothers and sisters serving other brothers and sisters. And uh, we believe that showing hospitality is the heart of God. And so we open our doors every year. We invite our community to come. And this place on November 24th will be a rocking. So don't miss it. So everyone say, I'm not going to miss it. I'm not going to miss it. Right. Hey, real quick, Pastor Glenn, if you're here uh, new at City Church, he is our associate pastor. His wife Natalie was pregnant for nine months until two days ago. And uh, Pastor Glenn and Natalie, welcome. we're going to welcome Ethan Glenn tomorrow. got to take the picture. I took the picture. Laura hold the, hold the baby, and they're just doing well. Baby stayed an extra day, I think. But uh, I told Pastor Glenn, I said, your baby is never going to have any communicable diseases because he's already had about 300 people hold him. And uh, I was looking on Facebook, man. I saw everybody, man. Everybody's holding the baby. And he got, so he's just getting treated well right from the beginning. He's just getting inoculated for ministry. Because once he shows up here, he's going to have a lot of babysitters. Amen? Amen. Uh, if you have your Bibles, I want you to turn this morning to 2 Timothy chapter 2. I'm in a series entitled, entitled Changing Our Culture, Changing Our City. Changing Our Culture, Changing Our City. I've got about 25 minutes. 25 minutes. I want to talk about changing our culture, changing our city. How to be a good soldier. How to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse number 1. And I want you to stand with me for the reading of God's Word. 2 Timothy chapter 2, beginning with verse 1. And when I get there, I'll say I got it. Okay. And the Bible says, Then you then, my son, be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses. And trust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. Join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. No one serving as a soldier gets entangled in civilian affairs, but rather tries to please his commanding officer. Similarly, anyone who competes as an athlete does not receive the victor's crown except by competing according to the rules. The hard-working farmer should be the first to receive a share of the crops. Reflect on what I'm saying, for the Lord will give you insight into all of this. Let's pray. Lord, we are grateful today 
Thank you for the work of your spirit that we've already sensed in a wonderful way in our time of worship. In our time of worship and not just our singing, but our giving to you. We love you so much. Thank you, Lord, that you are here to minister to your people today. But not just in spirit. We ask now, Lord, that you will minister to them through truth. The truth of your word. Every person would have an ear to hear. God, give me a mouth to speak. I need you today. I need your help in this second service, Lord. And I bless the people. We love you, Jesus. Pray for baby Ethan today. Pray that you'll strengthen him. Pray, God, that all the things that are going on in his little world, that, God, your protection will be upon him. Jesus, we love you in your wonderful and awesome name. And everyone said, amen. You may be seated. How's everyone doing today? Good, good. It's just, I love to see you. I love the worship. I love what God's doing in our services. And second service, you guys are alive today. Great worship, great worship team. Thank you. Hey, how many of you ever had, like, just kind of a setback? You know, you're going along in life, and all of a sudden something happens. You know, just it was unexpected. You know, maybe you studied really, really hard for a test at school, and you got your grade back, and it was a F. Anybody ever have something like, I know my wife never had that happen because she got straight A's, but I did have that happen to me. <laughs> Never, you know, have you ever had just maybe a challenge, an unexpected, like you went to work one day and your boss said you're... Anybody ever had that happen before? No, you don't have to raise your hand. You don't have to tell me. Uh, maybe it's even something more dramatic. I mean, losing your job is pretty dramatic, but maybe one day your spouse looked over at you and said, I don't want to be married to you any longer. Wow. That's a, that's a game changer. That's a game changer in your life. That's unexpected sometimes. Sometimes you already know things are happening, but... When those kinds of things happen, you go to the doctor. My wife went to the doctor. She got a bad report from the doctor 10 years ago or 12 years ago and diagnosed with cancer. I mean, we weren't planning that. We didn't want to have that happen in our life, but it happens. Life happens. Challenging circumstances and situations take place in all of our lives. It's just part of living in the world that we live. Part of living in the world that you and I live, stuff happens. Stuff happens in every single generation. Sometimes the things that happen in our life are so traumatic and so challenging that they can knock us off course. I mean, just literally just kind of shipwreck our thinking and our mindset. I was a young boy. My dad had a business failure. And I remember it, just, it literally just knocked him off course in the business arena. He just can never quite wrap his mind around getting back in it, getting back into the game and going after the business world again. It just rocked his world. And that is the potential when things happen in our life. But God today, but God today has a word for us. Paul the Apostle wrote these words to his son in the faith, Timothy. Timothy lived in a difficult generation. Timothy lived almost 2,000 years ago. Paul actually wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. He once had been a persecutor of the church. He becomes a disciple or follower of Jesus. He has a Damascus Road experience. And immediately he begins to teach other people about Jesus. And one of the people that he reached for Christ was this young man, Timothy. Now, the cool thing about Timothy, when you study church history and you actually read the writings of Paul, you see over and over and over again, Paul encouraging Timothy in his faith. Actually, 25 times, Paul tells Timothy to be strong. He tells him, be strong. I want to talk to us this morning about how to be a disciple or how to be a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Three things have to happen. One, you've got to be strong. Everyone say, be strong. Two, you've got to share or pass your faith onto others. You've got to pass your faith onto other people. 
And the third thing is you have to endure suffering or hardship like a good soldier. You have to endure suffering or hardship like a good soldier. I want to talk to you first of all this morning about changing the culture of our heart. Changing the culture of our heart and being strong when difficult or challenging things happen in our life. If you look at verse number one, Paul actually says this. Then you, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. Be strong. When Joshua was past the mantle or the leadership of running the children of Israel or ruling the children of Israel and taking them into the promised land. He felt like the job was beyond his abilities. He was not ready for it. He wasn't ready for that season of his life. And God gave him this word in Joshua chapter 1. He says, Joshua, have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged, for the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Be strong. Be courageous. I want to tell you today, you're going through a challenging time. You're going through a difficult season. You're going through one of those life-happen moments. I want to encourage you. God has a word for you today. You can write this down. It's two words. Be strong. Be strong. God is with you. But see, you're not just strong in yourself today. You're not just strong because, you know, you're, you're a strong individual. You came from a family of self-starters and you got yourself motivated. No, no, no. Paul says, Timothy, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. I love that word grace because the whole message of the gospel, the whole message of Jesus is grace. In its basic form, in its most technical form. The word grace simply means divine help or the unmerited favor of God. The unmerited gift of God. You don't deserve it. You didn't work for it. But like we have already declared in song and worship, God knew you. God loved you. God called you by name. God chose you. And let me tell you, His grace is available for you. See, uh, there's nothing There's nothing in your life that will make you as strong when you say, I'm a child of God in Jesus Christ. And I have the love and the favor of God, even though I don't deserve it. That's the strength that comes by grace. It's by grace. Listen, I'm a faith man. I love to speak words of life. I love to bless people. I love to encourage people. I just love to do that. I also love to believe that God is able to do the impossible in my life. I believe that. I love Jesus said we, we are to speak to mountains or obstacles. We don't wallow in the mountain. We don't run around the mountain. We speak to the mountain as believers. We have spiritual authority given to us by God. Our prayers are powerful. Your prayers, you might not feel that way. You might not think that way. But the moment you stop believing in yourself and stop, start believing in Him, things start to happen spiritually in your life. You can start to pray. You can start to pray believing that God will answer. There are times in your life when you hit a wall. No amount of prayer in your life seems to change your circumstance. Paul the Apostle had one of those encounters. Paul the Apostle had one of those times in his life. 
he had some kind of challenge in his life that he was not able to overcome. He actually calls it a thorn in the flesh. And I want you to hear what the Lord said to him. The Lord Jesus said to Paul, Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. I mean, I don't like those kinds of verses because it means that I've got to go through some stuff in life. I've got to go through some challenges. And it might not work out the way that I think it should work out. Because like the prophet Isaiah said, his ways are higher than my ways. His thoughts are above my thoughts. You see, my thoughts aren't always God thoughts. As a matter of fact, I've got some bad thoughts sometimes. I've got some mean thoughts sometimes. I have some, I do, every once in a while, it just, that old creature just kind of pops up and I don't think right about life. Matter of fact, it happens almost every day. How about you? Come on, how about you? Let's be real here. Let's get bare wire. Now, you can't read my mind, you can't read my thoughts, but either can, I can't read yours. When we come to church, it all looks good, right? But it ain't about my Sunday today, it's about my Monday. It's about my Tuesday. It's about my Wednesday. It's about my Thursday. And that's what we're here about. We're come with, that's like a filling station. You come on Sunday, you worship, you get encouraged, so you can go back out there and live your life by the grace of God. You can be strong by His grace on your Monday and your Tuesday. God's grace is sufficient for you today. But the second thing that a good soldier of Jesus Christ must do, the second thing that they must do, is that they must pass on the faith. They must pass on the faith. They must... There's a work or deposit that God has done in your life that no matter where you are in your relationship Christ. I mean, if you came to Jesus last week, you've been saved for one week. I got to tell you, you know what you need to do? You got to go out and find someone who's not saved yet and you get them saved. And at least you're one week up on them. <laughs> you can pass something on to them. Listen, every single person here who has a relationship with God, you are called to pass on the faith that God has put in you. Paul, look what he says here in verse number two. And the things you've heard me say in the presence of many witnesses entrust to reliable people who will also be qualified to teach others. We are at City Church. We are totally committed to passing on the faith to the next generation. Everything at City Church is about your next step in God. Paula, our next step tour guide. Everything here is about you moving one more step toward, towards the purpose and the plan of God for your life. No matter if you're a person who doesn't know Christ yet or you've been serving Jesus for 50 years. Wherever you are in God today, He has a next step for you. And the next step for every person in this room is to pass on some truth, some revelation of God's grace, of God's goodness in your life, to the next generation. Everything. Everything in our life is about that. Everything in my life is about that. Because it's not about me. It's just not about me. A friend of mine many years ago told, told me something. And you need to hear this today. Every person in this room needs to hear this. Listen to me. Every person in this room needs three people in their life. The first person you need in your life is a mentor. Everyone say a mentor. Paul was a mentor to Timothy. Paul had gone farther down the road. He was a little farther in his journey with Christ. He'd had a few more experiences. He actually had greater revelation, greater knowledge. Paul was a mentor to Timothy. You need a mentor. You need a mentor in your life. Now listen, last week we had 666 people on this campus. I can't be everyone's mentor in this room, okay? I got, I got, you just got to hear that today. I can't do that. It's impossible. 
So you, as a brother or sister in Christ, young or old, you need to find someone in your life that's just, they don't have to be older than you necessarily, but they've walked the journey. They've walked through some stuff and they've experienced some victories and they've had some wisdom and insight into how to live the Christian life, maybe in some area better than you do. And, and I challenge you, find a mentor, get a mentor. I mean, in the business world, this is very, very common. Very, very, very common. The young woman that was leading worship this morning, her name is Miranda. She's 17 years of age. Didn't she do a phenomenal job? Come on, amen. And we're sending her to some mentors. We're sending her to some people who've been leading worship just a little longer. Almost, some of them almost as long as she's been alive. But we're going to send her so she can be mentored. But you need a mentor in your, just, in your relationship with God. You walk with Christ. The second person that you need in your life is a friend. Everyone just say a friend. A friend that loves Jesus and loves you no matter where you're at. I mean, just bare wire, no matter where you find yourself, no matter how stuck you are in the moment, no matter what's happened in your world, they love you. They just, they love you for who you are, not for what you can give to them. They just love you. They're your friend. My very best friend, my friend who was, who was like that to me, who just loved me unconditionally, he passed away a year and a half ago. And i got to tell you, man, that was, that's a real shock in my life. I have a couple of the friends that I'm really close to, but I value relationships. And the longer I know somebody, some of the people in this room I've known now for you know, 12, 13, 14 years. I don't know if anybody's quite that long, maybe, but a long time. And I value those relationships. They're special. They mean a lot. You need good friends, people that you can just be bare wire, just laid out, people that can come along and encourage you and pray for you. But you also need to have somebody in your life that you are teaching, you're passing on. If you're a mom and dad today, it's obvious if you have children, your job is to pass it on to your kids. I mean, that is your responsibility. Not the pastors, not the teachers, Sunday school teachers, not the school teachers. I mean, you send your kid to public school. I know we think it's their job to teach our kids, but i got to tell you, what you teach them at home goes way farther. goes way. The decisions they make in life, the destinies that they choose, whether they succeed or fail, isn't because they had a good teacher or a bad teacher in the third grade. It's because what they saw at home starts there. So, But beyond even our own family, we have a responsibility to mentor, to train, to teach, to encourage, to, to build other people up. But what are we to teach them? What's our message? Well, let me help you with something here. Our message is simply this. Our message is Jesus. Our message is Jesus. Paul the Apostle, in the book of Acts, he says it like this. Paul went into the synagogue and they reasoned with him from the Scriptures. And he explained and proved that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus, I am proclaiming to you, is the Messiah. What did Paul preach? He preached, he preached that Jesus, the sinless Son of God, came with the mission and a mandate from heaven to save sinners. He preached that Jesus Christ lived a perfect life, walked on this earth, only did good, only did miracles, only healed the sick, but he preached a better way. He preached the only way to God the Father was through Him, through Jesus Christ. He was the way, the truth, and the life. You see, what message did they preach? They preached the name of Jesus as a matter Matter of fact, the Bible says that Paul and the other disciples, when they were radically transformed, they began to preach the doctrine of Jesus in the city of Jerusalem, and they filled the whole city with the name of Jesus. They filled the city. It's about Jesus. It's not about a denomination. It's not about some you know preacher or worship styles. It's not about money. It's not about any of those things. Those are all distractions from the message. The message is Christ. 
He came into the world to save sinners, of which I'm the chief. He came to save you, but He came to save every man, woman, boy, and girl. They preach Christ. Our message isn't politics. Our message isn't this party, that party, this agenda, that agenda. Our message is Jesus. Listen, when our message becomes Jesus, it influences all those things. But that's not the message. The message is Christ. Pass it on, Timothy. Pass it on to faithful men. I was in fourth grade. I was in Sunday school. My Sunday school teacher, his name was Paul Soule. Paul Soule. He was a big man. He was an electrician. And uh, he taught us doctrine. I remember we were in a class. I just, I don't remember anything. I remember trying to memorize words like sanctification and justification and, and you know, re- all these R words. And, and we had to write them out. I don't remember any of that. I still don't remember those definitions very well. But what I do remember is a life lesson that he taught me. You know what he taught me? He taught me. One day he came to church, a little Sunday school lesson. He had a dollar bill. He had ten dimes. He said, you know when you, t- when you give your tithe to the Lord, you're giving ten percent. We handed a dime and showed us what dime was. That was really cool. But then he said something else that stuck with me forever. He said, you don't just give your tithe to God. You give your time to God. Like, and I didn't understand. And, you know, and my mind, you know, 10-year-old little boy, so 24 hours a day, that means I had to give 2.4 hours to God, and I went home, and I remember sitting in my backyard trying to figure out, i got to give two point. okay, i got to make sure every, I'm, you know, I didn't understand grace, I didn't understand walking with Christ, I didn't understand all that as a 10-year-old boy, but I understood that I was to give my time to the Lord, and the way that you give your time to God is by imparting and give your life, giving your life to serve the next generation. I mean, that's exactly how you want to be a good soldier today? Give your life away. Give your wife life away. At City Church, our passion is passing on the faith. Our passion is passing on the truth. All the programs, they're not about programs. They're about people passing on the faith to the next generation. That's what everything's about. We have the children's programs and the Bible quiz programs and the teen programs and, and the Sunday school classes and the Wednesday night classes and the small group ministries. All these things are about passing on the faith. And it isn't just for a few. Paul said, Timothy, it's for everybody. Pass it on to faithful people. The third thing, though, the third thing that Paul said is, Timothy, embrace suffering. Embrace. The New King James uses the word endure. The NIV uses the word join with me. Join with me. Join with me or endure with me in hardships or suffering. I don't like those words. Because I don't like the suffering. <laughs> I don't like pain. Uh, Natalie, we went to see Natalie. The, she had her baby like it. But she went in. She had started having contractions like at 2 o'clock in the morning. She didn't have the baby until... Uh, baby Ethan didn't come to like 10.37 that night. And the epidural wore off. <laughs> and I'm glad I wasn't there uh, to hear all the things, the wonderful things that were happening in that room. I heard that it was quite fun. But I did come the first thing the next morning. Friday morning, Laura and I went down to see baby. And, and uh, I was looking at that little child, thinking about his destiny, thinking about the things that are coming in his life. You know, there was a lot of suffering. There was suffering that Natalie went through, but the reward was beautiful. 
all the suffering, all the pain was instantly, instantly forgotten the moment that they handed little baby Jesus into their hands. That's a fact. You know, suffering in our life is something that we'd like to avoid if we could, but it's just not possible. Paul the Apostle, Peter actually said this in all of this, all the stuff that you go through, greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while, while you have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trouble. As soldiers of Jesus Christ, as much as we don't want to do it, we embrace it. We embrace it because we understand that God has a purpose for it. We embrace it. We don't, we don't just wallow in it and moan about it and cry about it. No. James actually says that we're to count it all joy. Now, yesterday, I'm pulling into the church here, and there's a guy on a bicycle. He's riding down the street, and a guy cuts him off in a pickup truck, and uh, there was some exchange of words. There was some hardship taking place, and they were showing one another their IQ, and, and they were just going through you know, a lot of aggravation, and, and there was a hardship and a suffering, but they weren't counting all joy at that moment. There wasn't joy. There was not joy in what they were experiencing because they'd understand the purpose you know, we live in a generation that's fraught and frail with all kinds of peril and problems. And a couple of years ago, I was watching General Colin Powell. He was Secretary of State at that time, and he was talking about war. Colin Powell said, war is hell. War is hell. He said, if you've never served, he said, every man or woman that's ever served in active duty, in active duty, on the front line, engaged in combat, understands that war is hell. Said, and you don't want to send your boys and girls. You don't want to rush off and send your sons and daughters. I mean, it's something to think twice about before you engage in conflict. So God has purpose for us. God has design for us. The suffering, the challenges, the trials, the things that we walk through in life, they have a purpose. And that purpose is to build strength and maturity in our lives. Here's the deal today. If you never knew you were lost in sin, you would never know that you need a Savior. Hear me today. If you never got sick, you would never know that Jesus is your healer. If you never had a financial lack, you would never know that Jesus is your provider. If you never had an addiction, you would never know that He is your deliverer. If you never lacked faith, you would never know that He is faithful. Come on, today. Amen. Today, God, He's with you. The problems, the challenges, the struggles that we experience in this life. He said, listen, as a good soldier, we're focused on the mission. We're focused on the call. We're focused on moving forward in God. And He says, no good soldier entangles himself in the affairs of this world. And this is where most believers get distracted at. This is where most people get off course. They, they want, yeah, they want eternal life, and they want fire insurance, and they want the good life that God has, but they get distracted. You know, when Emmanuel went into the military, he wasn't allowed to continue his career in trying to build a band. <laughs> he wasn't allowed to do anything else but be part of the United States Army. He was part of the military. They bought him. <laughs> They owned his life. They told him when to get up and when to go to bed and what to eat and what not to eat and when to exercise and who to be with and what his mission was. You see, the fact is today, you were bought with the price. 
the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Your life is not your own. You now enlisted in God's army. You're a soldier of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we embrace the goodness of God. We embrace the grace of God that no matter what we are walking through, no matter the trials, the tribulations, the struggles, the difficulties of our life, God is with us. And like Isaiah said, yea, though we walk through the fire, we will not be burned. Oh, we could come up to the floods of the water. We will not drown. God is with us. God is for us. Amen. The disciples of Christ, followers of Jesus, soldiers live differently. They live differently when they are at war than civilians. They understand that suffering is part of this life. They endured hardship as a good soldier. They don't lose sight because something bad happens in their life. Because it could mean their life. A soldier understands that he will need others to come alongside of him if he's going to win. And then he talks about the discipline of an athlete running the race, competing by the rules. You know, if you don't compete by God's ways, things will go sideways in your life. You know, we know the names like Lance Armstrong, Marianne Jones, Ben, ben Johnson. We know some of these athletes, Barry Bonds. They were great athletes, but they didn't play by the rules. Tarnished their reputation, cost them their careers, Strip them of their medals. See, God has a plan. God has a playbook for your life. This is the way that you are to walk. Walk you therein. God has a way for us. See, an athlete, he, he, he competes by the rules so that he can win. God has created us to win. And then he says the diligent farmer, they work hard expecting a harvest or a crop. Well, so What? So what does that mean to you and I today? Verse 7, he says, reflect on these things. Think about these things, and the Lord Jesus Christ will show you what they mean. What does this mean to you and I today? You know what this means to you and I today? We live our life for the reward. We live our life for the reward. Listen, there's coming a day. We will all stand before the Lord for our life, and we will give an account, the good and the bad. And we will receive a reward for the things that we have done. Paul the Apostle said, Don't you realize that in a race everyone runs, but only one person gets the prize. So run to win. Run to win. Run to win. Run to win. This is my trophy. <laughs> this... I got this 40 years ago. 40 years ago, Miss Miller, my fourth grade teacher, gave me this trophy. When I was a boy, they only gave trophies to people who won. <laughs> Did you hear that? They only gave trophies to people who actually won. All right? That's the way it worked back then. I know everybody's a winner today. But when I was a kid, it wasn't that way. <laughs> You can't read what it says, but it says 336 miles. I was born an asthmatic. I was born as a little child. I had asthma. I was diagnosed as a little child. I'd been in and out of the hospital many, many times as a little kid. 
And I always had a permission slip to give to my teacher so that I didn't have to be part of PE. But, I mean, I love sports. I lived and drank and ate sports. And to tell me that I couldn't participate. But I would have reactions. I would have times when my, you know, my asthma would kick in because I was running or playing football or basketball. And then I would end up in the hospital. And so, hey, guys, can I just, I need everybody, just hang on just a oh, i got to just hang on just a second, okay? Everybody else, please just stay seated. I know they're going to leave here, but. I was fourth grade, and I had never really won much of anything in my life. But I had a teacher. Her name was Miss Miller. And she was my favorite teacher, even to this very day. Miss Miller, she, for some reason, she, she seemed to like me. She really liked me. <laughs> and she stood up at the beginning of the year, and she says, I have a competition for the class. She says, so we're going to see who can run the most miles this school year. And she said, you know, she drew out a little thing on the chalkboard, and we had four backstops. She said, and if you run around these backstops, around the basketball court, each one of those laps is a quarter of a mile. And so every day, I mean, you know, every, I mean, it's something in my mind. Every day, I, I think, I think I can win that. I think that I can win that. And so, I mean, we started right at the beginning of the year. Everybody in the class started off, you know, how everybody does, and everybody's going for it. We're going to get some kind of reward. And, and I, I, I said in my mind, I said, I'm going to win that prize. I didn't even know what the prize was. She said it was some kind of trophy. I didn't know what it was. But I said, I'm going to win that. And I started running, and, and I wasn't supposed to run, but I kept pushing, kept persevering. And, you know, you'd had a couple of setbacks, but every day I'd come at the end of the day after running at recess or break or at lunch, and I'd write down my totals. And we got to about halfway through the year, and there's about seven or eight people, you know, in a class of 20, 25, there's about seven or eight people that are kind of vying for it. And something inside of me said, I am going to win going to win that I'm going to win that prize I'm going to please Miss Miller I'm going to please her. she was my favorite even to this day she's my favorite teacher I'm going to please Miss Miller I, I kept running kept running and kept running and we got down to the last couple of weeks of school and there were four people left Greg Thornton Alfonso Reese Tanya Sproul and Junior Smith <sighs> last week of school I'm in the lead, and I'm way in the lead. I'm kicking everybody's tail. Yeah. A Friday afternoon, I went over after school, and I stayed with one of my cousins. That night, I got violently ill. Saturday morning, they rushed me to the hospital, and I was diagnosed with an acute encephalitis. It's a, a virus of the brain. I was literally wiped out. I was so wiped out. They had me in ICU. They, they had me in this tent. Everybody that came into the room was completely, you know, they were covered in gowns and masks. And, and I was very, very violently ill. Literally nine to death. And the only thing I could keep thinking, I went through all kinds of tests. You know, fourth grade boy, I still remember. I, 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 things and trying to figure out what was wrong. And the only thing I kept thinking is, Greg Thornton is going to beat me. <laughs> <laughs> I never got to go back to school. I never got to go back to school. I, I had to go home. I was released from the hospital. I went home. When I left, when I left, my last day of school, I had 336 miles. That last week of school, that turkey, Greg Thornton, that turkey, he, he ran all that week. I wasn't there. He caught up, and he beat me by half a mile. <laughs> half a mile. I was devastated. I was so devastated. They, Miss Miller, she was nice. She... Got a little trophy, and 
She gave the trophy to Greg. He lived right down the street from me, about five doors down. He came over, last day of school, and he brought me this trophy. The trophy's four years old. I still have it. I ran 336 miles, and he ran 336 and a half miles. But I got a prize. I competed the race the best that I knew how. You know, the fact is today, we're running a race. It's the race. It's the race of life. And Paul said, run this race to win. Run it to win. What does it mean to win for Jesus? It means I'm going to give my whole life to him. I'm, I'm going I'm, I'm to make a difference in the next generation. I'm going to make my life count. I'm going to make my life count. I'm going to learn to walk through challenges and suffering. I'm going to endure hardship as a good, good soldier because there is a prize. There is a reward. See, listen to what Paul says. Don't you realize that everyone runs a race to win? To run, to win? but only one person gets the prize. We are all athletes as are training in their, in their training. They do not win a prize that will fade away, but we do it for an eternal prize. Listen, no matter what's happened in your life today, no matter what kind of setbacks you have today, I want you to know that God is with you. God is with you. Like he told Paul, my grace is sufficient for you. Be strong in the grace of it is in Christ Jesus. I want you to close your eyes. What is God saying to you today? Young person, mom, dad, first time, first time guests. We love you. We're so honored that you were here today with us for the first time. What's God saying to you? God wants you to win. He's for you. He is so for you. He speaks these words of your heart. I don't know what's happened to you today. I don't know where you are today. If you had a place just feel like, I don't know, I, I don't feel like I'm winning, and I don't know if I can win. You're here today. You're here right now, and you need someone to encourage you. We're not going to embarrass you. But I'm just going to ask you right now. You need someone to pray for you today. You need prayer. You need... You need that encouragement today to take that next step. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. If you're here this morning, when I count to three, could you raise your hand? One, two, three. Come on, right now in this room. Anyone in this room? All across this room. Wow. We're going to stand together this morning. I want everyone to stand. Many people raise their hand today. I don't want you to leave this place without God touching your heart. You raised your hand this morning. You need to know, you need to know in this room that God knows your name. God cares for you. God is with you. God's with you. But there's some choices you have to make. You've got to make the choice. God's done his part. God's provided everything you have needed through his, through his son Jesus. He's your savior. He loves you. His arms are wide open. But you've got to run straight to him. You've got to run straight. You've got to run the race to win the prize. I want everyone to say this prayer. Lord Jesus, I admit today that I'm weak in some area of my life. But I believe today that this word was for me. I believe today that your grace makes me strong. That your, that your grace enables me to have courage. I put my confidence in you. I put my trust in you. I turn my life 
and turn my heart completely to you. All the pain, all the hardship, all the trials, I release them to you. Now come fill me. Come strengthen me. By your spirit and by your power, I receive your grace today in Jesus' name. We're going to declare this song as our closing this morning.